This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hey folks, good afternoon. I'm Roshan Kanesan and you're now listening to Enterprise Biz Bytes. It is Monday, July 24th and I'm flying solo in the studio today. No Rich Bradbury to keep me company here, but I do have another guest on the line who's waiting to get his word in on today's topic. Um, in this digital age, social media platforms have become, well... An integral part of our lives, to say the least, particularly for the younger generation. There's a the 2018 Pew Research Study survey found that 45% of 13 to 17 year olds are online almost constantly, and 97% use social media platforms such as YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or Snapchat. However, the influence of social media is a double-edged sword, as I'm sure many of us have experienced. While it provides a platform for self-expression, entertainment, and connection, it also exposes young people and young users to potential risks. Recent controversies include uh, social media influencers Logan Paul and KSI over in the West and their energy drink Prime, which raised concerns about the potential harm of marketing certain products to a young demographic that may not be well suitable to their needs or at least to their health. Similarly, the removal of vape liquids and gels from Malaysia's poisons list has sparked up debates about the regulation of harmful substances. In the midst of these challenges, uh, we ask the question, How do digital marketing agencies navigate the complex landscape of influencer marketing, especially when some influencers have no qualms about promoting potentially harmful products to a younger demographic? Uh, How also can we ensure that the power of social media is harnessed responsibly and ethically? If you have any thoughts on this, you can let us know on our U-Mobile number. WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Helping me with this conversation today, though, is Brandon Lee, co-founder of Pandan Social. Um, Brendan, can you hear me loud and clear? Loud and clear, crystal clear. Your sound, your sound is coming in really well. Uh, for some sp- strange reason, Brendan, I almost called your company Pandan Special. I don't know, maybe I'm thinking about some kind of dessert somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we are a special agency for sure. Yes, it is. Uh, it is. It is twelve p.m. You know, it is lunchtime. Um, so, Brendan, you've been on the show before. You're no stranger to the Biz Bites. Um, the last time you were on, you were with uh, Lily and Frida, and you were talking about the growth of the digital space and the increasing relevance of digital marketing. Give us a sense of how this growth um, has brought any unfavorable changes to the digital marketing industry. Just give us a sense for all that. Well, I think as an agency, the the upside to it all is that you have a choice in what, which clients you want to work with, uh, what products you like to advertise. Um, and I think, of course, uh, money talks, right? I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of people out there will ban rules and, and sort of avoid um, ethics in order to get that dollar. But I think um, at the end of the day, we do have a choice. And I think Panel Social is, is proud to say that, you know, we've been quite We've been very ethical, not quite, but I think very ethical with our choices. And we've been just very lucky in the sense where we work with clients that also sort of uphold that moral ethics um, to a high standard. So no trouble so far for us specifically. Uh, but of course, as, as the space changes, there will be things to look out for. And, and yeah, like you said, a lot of uh, dubious marketing mm. to be had. Could, could you give us a bit of uh, insight into the... Uh, I mean, not specifically towards your agency, but just the general marketing industry, digital marketing industry, some of the examples of maybe the less um, favorable things that we've been seeing and how they've, you know, how how uh, widespread or lack of widespread is it? 
Yeah, I mean, if, if you talk about topics that are being touched on today, um, something very simple, and this is very subjective, of course, is uh, nicotine products, mm-hmm. right? Technically, we shouldn't be advertising those things according to uh, Meta's guidelines. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think everyone here still sees to some degree uh, a bit of uh, advertising here and there, whether it's through paid ads or even through in- things like influencers, right? Uh, and then, of course, on the far end of the spectrum, you talk about things like politics. Um, there's still a lot of um, tinkering, if you will, <laughs> happening on social media, right? So I think those things are, are a very surface level from what it seems. But of course, things run a lot deeper than than they, than they seem sometimes. So, yeah, I guess that's maybe a good example of what's been happening. So obviously a lot, a lot of hotspots, a lot of areas of grey, a lot of areas which, not grey, uh, pretty black, but people still getting involved there. So tell us a little bit about how Pandan Social has adapted to these changes, uh, favourable and unfavourable in the digital marketing industry and how they reflects on the work you do. Yeah, again, I think, again, we've been very blessed and very lucky to work with clients that do understand restrictions. And I mean, in the past, we've had clients that come to us with questionable products. Uh, and, and those are the situations where we turn them down, right? Um, not just, I mean, of course, money is one thing, right? They, they, they're looking to make that quick buck. But um, I think just in terms of ethics as well, um, it's something that we do not want to be involved in per se. But I think other than that, just keeping up to date with the rules and regulations of the platforms. Um, I mean, there's so many platforms that each of them have different rules. So I think just keeping up to that um, helps us navigate that a bit better as well. Yeah, we'll get into some of the screening mechanisms you use later, at least the methods. Uh, but right now, uh, how does Pandan Social navigate an industry where there is seemingly an increasing um, variability or maybe even leniency when it comes to certain things that are sold and advertised? How do you how do you navigate that? Because at the end of the day, um, there's a lot of grey here, not necessarily easy to draw a line. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I think, as you mentioned just now as well, right, things that are seemingly white or black, I think there's still a lot of ways to make them gray areas, even with, you know, as much regulation as there is both externally and internally on the platforms. Um, there's so much content being put out on social media platforms that not everything can be screened through, right? I'm sure uh, platforms are doing their best to screen them, uh, whether by AI or by, you know, physical screening. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still, things are still going to slip through the cracks. And unfortunately, that's something that happens. Uh, but what we do, on the other hand, is just really just having a moral compass to, to try and navigate that as best as possible. Um, the thing is, I think what's unique from my point of view is that I'm both the consumer as well as the advertiser, <laughs> right? So on the consumer side of things, of course, protection, data privacy, things like that are all things that matter a lot. On the flip side, as an as an as a marketer, you want to sort of maximize that as much as possible, right? Within reason, at least. I mean, from my point of view, um, partner social, as mentioned, holds as much more as much of a moral compass as we can, um, and I think it just comes down to letting our clients know exactly what's possible, what's not. Um, clients will, of course, sometimes push uh, different areas again, not with uh, you know harmful products per se, but for example, things like selling properties, right? How do they navigate that the best way possible um, by using tactics that are maybe slightly gray? 
right? Um, in those scenarios, it's not harmful to anyone per se, right? Um, and I'm not talking about data privacy here. I'm just talking about advertising as a whole. Um, so yeah, I think there are ways to kind of navigate that safely, um, but also keeping on the right side of the fence, if you will. Right, because there is a difference between advertising things that uh, or advertise the things that are advertised and the advertising methods, right? The the way the ad is framed, maybe you're using a little bit of a formal mechanism to get people to buy this now, that, that sort of mentality, right? So there is that is a more acceptable way uh, of uh, doing the ads versus uh, there are things that you outright don't uh, advertise. Um, but you, like you mentioned, there are a lot of things that fall through the cracks. But in, on the flip side, you also have maybe the platforms being overly aggressive and banning certain ads that may be okay. Now, earlier you said something about moral compass. And now it really does feel like a lot of, you know, uh, in the gray spaces especially, it comes down to the individual or in your case, the agencies themselves and how they police or how they regulate this kind of this so this quote unquote moral compass. Um, do you find that you know the that this is part of the this creates a personality for your agency and whether for better or for worse um, then it informs the way who which kind of clients come to you uh, and whether that means less money or not? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's less money or not, right? I think there's still there's still a lot of money to be made within mm. clean spaces, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I think that that aside. Um, yeah, um, to answer that specific question of whether it shapes our personality as an agency, 100%. I mean, if you look at us on social media, how we portray ourselves, um, the age demographic of our team, these are things that I think set us apart as an agency, right? And to know that we are reputable um, and and safe, uh, for like a better term, um, is something that we definitely want to portray. Um, and I know there are definitely marketers out there that deal with gray areas. Um, and it's completely fine. I mean, who am I to judge per se? Um, and of course, you know, we're talking about right or wrong, but on a personal level, you know, I, it's really not my place to judge. <laughs> I think that's for regulators, the platform, and, and, you know, just overall for people to kind of do that job better. Um, but yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. Um, and before we go into a few messages, uh, Brandon, um, how does Pandan Social screen your clients? What is this moral compass slash uh, rubrics, uh, rubric that you use uh, to say, okay, this is a yes, this is a maybe, this is a definitely a no? Yeah, I think it comes down to the, the, the guidelines within the platforms as, as well. That definitely helps, I'm not going to lie, right? For example, if nicotine products are allowed to be advertised, again, that's such a, that is a gray area in a sense where it's not an illegal product. And I can advertise that to uh, users who are 21 and above, right? Uh, same with alcohol. But if that's not allowed on the platform, then 100% I have to go to the client and say, I'm sorry, but we cannot do this because platform A, B, C doesn't allow it to, right? So I think within that sense as well, that's maybe a bit of a gray area in terms of moral compass because it's not necessarily wrong. But within guidelines, you have to kind of be within those guidelines to then be able to be legal, per se. Um, so I think that that helps us screen clients that are on the right side and on the wrong side of the fence. Um, like I mentioned, in the past, there have been products that have been outright illegal. Um, and in those scenarios, it's a very simple no to them. Do the guidelines on the platforms change uh, sporadically or is it quite 
stable because I've heard you know the algorithm in general is a bit of a volatile thing. Uh, but what about the guidelines put forth by the platforms? I think over the years there's been there's been a lot of improvements. I mean, you've seen the crackdowns happening on the in the West on Facebook, you know, Instagram, just Meta in general, and of course recently TikTok um, with the whole US China issue. Um, but I think guidelines have gotten better. And I think if you're talking about, especially for the younger demographic, right, 13, 17, uh, Meta has already in place, uh, not even being able to target those, uh, them, that age range on ads. And for TikTok, there is strict guidelines. Um, and as well as things like family centers, family pairing, those features are there for parental control, right? Those are there for you as parents to then monitor uh, the younger demographic, younger age range to make sure that they're not <laughs> engaging in things that they shouldn't be. So, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely ways that they can improve some more in the future. And I'm sure those things will come up, uh, but they are improving over time. And sometimes it can feel like it's a action reaction type situation. Uh, but I think on the overall scale, they have been adding more and more restrictions over time to then improve um, the guidelines. All right, Brandon, don't go anywhere. We've got to go into a few messages and what we will be back to talk about more. Uh, folks, if you just joined us, social media platforms have become an integral part of our lives, particularly for the younger generation. However, the influence of social media is, in fact, a double-edged sword. With that in mind today on BizBytes, we've been exploring how digital marketing agencies navigate the complex landscape of influencer marketing and how we can ensure that the power of social media is, har- is harnessed responsibly and ethically. Let us know what you think over on WhatsApp at 018-789-8899 or as always you can tweet us at BFM Radio. I'm Roshan Kanison. Keep it here at BFM 89.9 The Business Station. Bloggers for Malaysia BFM 89.9 Hey folks, that was Queen with I Want to Break Free here on BFM 89.9. I'm Roshan Kanesan and welcome back to Enterprise BizBytes. If you've just joined us today, we're getting into social media platforms and the double-edged sword that they propose or that they give, they provide us. Uh, today on BizBytes, we've been exploring how digital marketing agencies navigate the complex landscape of influencer marketing and how we can ensure that the power of social media is harnessed responsibly and ethically. Joining me for this conversation has been Brandon Lee, co-founder of digital marketing agency Pandan Social. Um, Brandon, just a quick question here. Uh, is Pandan Social's specialty digital uh, digital uh, influencer marketing or is it digital marketing as a whole? We are a sort of a 360 digital marketing agency, right? So we deal with anything to do with social media. Uh, that means content creation, planning, conceptualizing, um, advertising, digital advertising, um, as well as influencers. So I think those are your sort of, in a, in a nutshell, I think mm-hmm. people kind of understand when I mentioned those three things. Right. Influencer marketing is just one part of it, right? It's essentially how to get, uh, well, influencers, using influencers to kind of get uh, eyeballs or ears onto a particular service or product that you're trying to get noticed. Uh, that said, though, there's a fine balance that we're trying to find here because, um, you know, KSI and Logan Paul using their own influencer status brought in own, their own product to market, which has come under a lot of scrutiny. Congress has gotten involved in the States as well. I think Canada also put a ban on the, uh, the energy drink that they were selling. So there is a element of responsibility uh, responsibility that we need to consider here that that balance between 
protecting consumers and getting allowing businesses to do business and you know marketing their products how as as someone who plays in the middle there how do you see that responsibility uh and uh between being able to sell products and but being responsible towards consumers i think um it does kind of boil down to the brand um brand meaning in this case for example KSI and Logan Paul right prime um i think it comes down to business owners and business decisions made in terms of developing their products and whether it's done in an ethical way, whether it's done in ways that protect their consumers. Because at the end of the day, as an agency, our job is to push products out, right? Um, that is a very sort of simplistic way of looking at it. Of course, when you throw in the element of, of moral compass and ethics, yes, there are definitely things that we, we to a certain degree will take into consideration. For example, our job, if you came to us with an energy drink, would be, okay, what does it contain? Who can we not advertise it to? For example, if there are substances that are not um, you know, made for 18 and below. In that scenario, it's our it's sort of our responsibility to then not advertise it to them or advise against it at the very least, right? But I think at the end of the day, if it is a product issue, um, ingredients, uh, supply chain, whatever it is, that ultimately then boils down to the brand, right? Um, and that I think it's a very broad question because at the end of the day, from my personal view, it also then pulls into question um, regulatory boards, uh, what kind of regulations are there for certain types of products um, and things like that, where it goes far beyond what an agency is allowed or is within our purview. Um, but to answer your, your, your question in short, yeah, we, we kind of play that middleman there where there is some responsibility to pick the targeting, choose demographics. But at the same time, there is only so much we can do as advertisers as well when brands are ultimately the decision makers. Um, and not to kind of blame them, but that is kind of to, to paint the picture for you. So from our conversation, I can tell that uh, I, mean, I mean, it's quite clear that uh, the, that you guys look at the way the brands that you are uh, onboarding, whether it is uh, the campaigns that they want to do are ethical and responsible. You look at the things that you can screen. But as you just put that, there's only so much that you can do, right? So what is that fair, I guess, what is fair to expect of someone, a digital marketing agency, to be able to do, right? Because there's only so much that you can uh, screen and vet before something goes out. So what is a fair expectation of the digital marketing agency? I think if, if we look into a bit of foresight, um, it's quite hard to tell whether or not a product is going to turn out controversial um, or has any of these, say for example, implications, right? Or legal implications. But I think if there is sort of hindsight put into place where if something does happen, in, in again, case in point, prime, then I think maybe we can look at the people surrounding it, right? And agencies or people involved in creating that issue, are they then taking responsibility in, in then rectifying it? For example, if we had a client that got into a, a lawsuit uh, and then it was, you know, whether it was supply chain issues or whether it was directly harming the consumer or the consumers, then it would be a question of, do we still work with them? Mm. Right. Do we continue pushing this product even with 
full knowledge that it is harmful, I think that then would be an indicator of whether the agency or just marketers in general have moral compass or not. Because I think at the end, like at the start of a project, we will do due, due diligence, right? We'll look into uh, what products we're pushing, again, methods of pushing these things. But I don't know what's going in to these drinks or products or things like that. And that's to a degree past the pay grade. Um, and again, not to put blame on others, but it is fact, right? Um, so yeah, I think in, in, in hindsight, looking at, back if something were to happen, what then could we do to rectify these issues? Has Pandan Social ever had to deny a request from a client? And if so, what was that experience like? Because that can't have been an easy conversation to have. Yeah, I think um, we have had, very fortunately, very few, but we've had products in the past that are not necessarily illegal, especially because in Asia there are um, sectors or industries um, they're not fully regulated, right? For example, alternative medicine, Chinese medicine, for example. Um, you know, these things have a lot of gray areas within them. And I think in the past we've had, and I won't mention in detail what this product is, but it had an element of almost um, animal cruelty to it, right? Mm. Um, and I think in those situations, again, it's not a, it's hard to say no to the money. But at the same time, it's easy to say no because you fully are aware of what this product is and what you shouldn't be doing. And I think for myself and Daniel, my co-founder, we're very lucky in that sense where we are able to say no. Um, and I think most people should be you know, able to say no to these things, but whether, whether or not they say no is a whole different <laughs> question, right? But yeah, um, yes, so the answer is yes. But again, it's not a hard one when you know for a fact that it's wrong. Or at least for us, it's it's not a hard no. Uh, Brendan, last time uh, you were on the show, you, we were talking about the video first world when it comes to social media now, and uh, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or even, I mean, you do YouTube has always been uh, video, but there's short videos now have become very popular. Uh, YouTube Shorts becoming very useful for YouTubers, all in the bid for discovery, right? Because oftentimes it does feel like the short videos then lead to a, uh, essentially act as a funnel for them to catch attention and grow on other platforms. Um, do you think that this focus on short videos and to create these eye-catching videos have been have pushed or accelerated this promote uh, the ability for people to promote harmful products in a, such a to such a captive young audience? So what are your overall thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, of course, to answer the question, yes, right? It, it is, there's higher chances of people finding out and exploring uh, more things. But that's that's a general statement on its own. I think with social media, everything is amplified. Mm. So whether it's good or it's bad, it's amplified regardless. So I think at the end of the day, there's still going to, there still needs to be check and balances outside of social media. So again, whether that's parental control, whether that's, you know, self-check-ins, uh, for for you as an individual, uh, whether that's a platform putting in, in place more guidelines, I think that's a, a, that's a very broad question and, and answer to that. Because in short, yes, but at the same time, to a degree, people have always been pushing harmful products, mm. right? Whether it was you know um, cigarettes in the past, Marlboro did an amazing job 
pushing cigarettes without, you know, whether they had full knowledge or not, whether it was bad, consumers didn't care, right? Mm-hmm. They just wanted to to smoke. They wanted to, to look cool at the end of the day with, with the advertising that was pushed at that time in the era. So, of course, volume has increased. And yes, reaching younger audiences can be a dangerous thing. Um, but again, it's just check and balances. And I think we will continue to push as an industry to protect consumers uh, of all ages. Let me flip that question around then um, and talk about maybe glass half full kind of perspective. Um, how powerful has short have short videos, whether reels or TikTok or YouTube shorts, been in the ability, uh, been for digital marketing in your in your own ability to uh, promote the products that you have and the ROI that comes from that? It's definitely been huge. I think short videos um, inherently is the new medium to be on, right? If you're not on TikTok, if you're not on reels, if you're not on YouTube shorts, this is opportunity cost for any brand, any personality um, on the internet, right? I think with the algorithms pushing that, it is, we've seen, again, with, with us, Panel Social and with our clients as well, we've seen such growth in terms of numbers of reach and impressions and, and engagement through short videos. I think as long as we're using it in the right manner um, to push a good message, to push a good product, at the end of the day, I think we are doing net good. Um, and of course, just to answer your previous question, again, it can also be used for harm. But I think overall, with as much screening as we do, hopefully the, the net good is is positive. <laughs> yeah, end of the day, it is a powerful medium. It's been able to, the volume is amped up. It's, built, it's able to move much faster. It's very distilled content. Uh, and essentially, because people are... Uh, like the influencers that they follow, so the the, mis- the message gets pushed a lot faster. Um, overall, I think if I summarize this, uh, and Brendan, feel free to correct me here. Um, yes, marketers have a responsibility here, but it really is a multi-stakeholder issue. It, you know, down from parents to the kids themselves to the government and the regulators. Um, it's it's an I don't want to use the word all of society approach, but it is uh, every level. People have to make their voices heard in order to get the right uh, the right feedback. So platforms need to do what they need to do in terms of maybe not amplifying certain messages that are uh, not great. Uh, marketers need to be able to screen the brands and the messaging that you guys are wanting to put out. The government needs to, like you brought up the Marlboro ex- uh, uh, example, the government came down, right? Governments across the world banned the advertising of cigarettes across platforms. So there are different ways that we can uh, that can be done, but collectively, holistically, uh, there there is a there needs to be a, a push in a particular direction. Um, Brandon, before we go, let me know what uh, if there's uh, if there's anything you need me to correct me on what I just said. Uh, if not, just, you know, what are your uh, final comments before we wrap up? Yeah, I think ultimately um, what, what you said is right, right? Um, there is top-down approaches to these things, but there are also bottom-up approaches um, to this issue. And I think everyone plays a part. Um, for example, if you're a parent and you're allowing your kid to be unsupervised, and I say kid, I mean below 18, to be a fully unsupervised and social, and even above the age of 18, to be very honest, then it's a recipe for disaster, right? Um, not using features that are already there, like family pairing, family center, or uh, Meta and TikTok. These are then just allowing intruders to really enter the home, if you will. So, yeah, I think there are definitely a lot of ways that we can do as of right now to prevent um, harm to the people that we love. Um, 
we just have to be aware and to be able to take action against it. Um, but at the same time, to fully appreciate and not demonize social media, because at the end of the day, it is a tool to spread good as well. And there's been so much good that has come from it, um, whether it be main movements or um, just in general, bringing mm. people together. So, yeah, I think those are my final thoughts about social. And I think that has always been my stance. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that last point, right? Because, you know, I myself built community back when I had uh, an illness I had to deal with on Instagram. That's how I started on Instagram. And hashtags really helped me connect with other people who were suffering the same thing. So it has been... it. It has, in a way, created a flatter world in our know, ability to communicate with other people who are going through, and especially if you're in a one percent group of like of of illnesses or other things, your ability to talk to other people across the planet and uh, in a community sense is really powerful. But in that same vein, for things that can be done, double-edged sword, right? So if uh, people who need help can communicate much faster, people who want to spread messages that the world is flat. Um, in reality, also have that ability. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword there. Um, but end of the day, I think we together need to find a way to live with it because the internet is a different beast altogether and we're 20 years in still figuring out how to navigate it and ride the wave. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining me today. No, thank you. And one thing to know, we haven't even touched on AI yet. So uh, the world's going to be a very interesting place. I have enough existential <laughs> dread today, my friend. I think we'll talk <laughs> tackle that another day. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Folks, I was speaking with uh, Brandon Lee, co-founder of Pandan Social Digital Marketing Agency. And we were talking a little bit about the responsibility uh, in well, creating and ensuring a, a responsible social media uh, digital marketing strategy, uh, especially in light of all the mm, gray areas that we've seen, especially with Logan Paul and KSI promoting their prime product over in the US. Um, if you miss any part of this conversation, then I suggest that you definitely catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. All our shows can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and other podcast players. If you're looking for BizBytes, just search up Enterprise BizBytes. Looking ahead, we've got the Breakfast Grill replay that's happening after the 1 p.m. news bulletin. And uh, today we had a special guest in the in the house. It was Nuri Hisham Hussain, Chief Strategy Officer of the EPF, established back in 1951. The Employees Provident Fund has 8.45 million active members and a fund size of 1 trillion ringgit. However, there is a worrying trend as 2 million members aged between 40 and 54 have less than 10,000 ringgit in their savings in their accounts. Nuri Hisham speaks to us about what needs to be done in order to replenish retirement savings of Malaysians and about the proposed account tree, uh, which could see a more flexible facility from EPF. Catch that conversation after the 1pm news bulletin. I'm Roshan Kanesan. This has been Enterprise BizBytes. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.